Hey friends, it's Jace. Oh yes, it's Char. And you're tuned into Kiss and Tell Radio. All righty. Cat Radio, we're back. Yeah, a week off of the shenanigans. Y'all okay? It, it was perfect though for me because I was able to reacclimate. I just started working again, like Congrats. full time, full time. Congrats. And not only did we have a week off, like this is also our 90th episode. <gasps> I cannot believe we've been doing this for that damn long. Yeah, it's been over two years. Yeah, but it would have been, we would have reached 90 a long time ago. For those of you who don't know, when the show first started, it was Mm bi-weekly. So it was every other week. But we're weekly now. And also, the first quarter of 2018 is already done. Stop. We got three more left. Stop. But anywho, before we we dive into (laughs) any more conversation... Oh my gosh, I just realized we're good and settled and the damn bell is nowhere to be found for the gems. Oh shit. Where's that damn bell? Oh, here here comes the bell. Here comes Bird with the bell. Hey, Bird. Oh yes. You all know Char is not Char without her bell. Jesus is Lord. Anyway, so today we have someone who I have grown to love and admire. Travel Anderson, who goes by he, she, or they, is a film reporter with the Los Angeles Times covering the intersections of diversity and Hollywood with a focus on black and queer film. A sociology graduate from the nation's headquarters for black male excellence, Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) They also received their master's in journalism from Stanford University. Oh my Mm. gosh, last night's blackish. Junior, it was in between Howard or Stanford. He chose Stanford. Junior? No, 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 he chose- My twin? He chose Howard. But anyway, let me finish this up. Let me finish this up. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, received your master's in, in journalism from Stanford University. When not tweeting through a Twitter addiction, you can find them jamming to, to at Tasia's word, latest album, <laughs> or indulging their inner Southern veil with food that reminds them of home, which is Charleston, South Carolina. I did not know you were a South Carolinian. Yes, it's it's home, unfortunately. Well, welcome, Travel, to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank y'all so much. I'm so happy that you're here. So a little backstory. So Travel and I met, it's almost been a year, but I have not been in the National Association of Black Journalists, which is NABJ. I had not been in NABJ since undergrad. And it was like one year because we had like switched advisors and then our new advisor put us in SPJ, which is the Society of Mm -hmm. Professional Journalists, which I didn't really like as much as NABJ. Hmm. But anywho, I was doing my research and I was like, you know what? I need to expand my network because we always need a refresh. I believe that's what, whether you're in Dubuque, Iowa or Hollywood, California, you need to expand your network and and get on your Googles and find little networking Mm -hmm. and, you know, things that you can, you can link with people. And so Travel just so happens to be the president of the Los Angeles chapter. Oh, yes. (laughs) Of NABJ. Um, no. No, we so, out here. Yes. And so I ended up DMing Travel, and I was like, listen, how do I get involved? Mm-hmm. And you were so gracious, and you got back to me so fast. I just knew that with that damn blue check by your name <laughs> and working for the LA Times... I was like, oh, I'm going to give I'm going to give them about maybe like 48 hours. I read all my DMs very quickly. Yeah, you got back to me. No, not no money. Don't be telling people out in these streets (laughs) that I got money. That would be a a big old lie. 
tweeted on turn me down at least three times for the blue check. I don't even think we can apply anymore because of the the Trump Russia thing. Like they oh have God. to uh, they have to reach out to you. I don't think you can apply anymore. Yeah, you don't anyway, need a blue check. It's fine. Ugh. It means nothing. I want it. I, I want one. It. I wanted one too. I, I it looks good. Yeah, it's like it does. a seal of like recognition on your resume. Everybody got a blue check though. It don't mean nothing <laughs> except me. Now that, that is, I was about to say except <laughs> us. Right. I ended up paying my dues for NABJ to get back in. I was back in by June, and then in August we went to New Orleans, which is almost like a home away from home for me. And I sat through some of Travell's panels, which were very good. He had handouts and everything. So. You know, we like to be ready for the kids. Oh, oh, oh okay. yes. Oh, yeah. And it was very entertaining. So, Thank yes. You. Now, Travell, do you consider, before we continue the show on, do you mm-hmm. consider yourself to be like non-conforming, gender non-conforming? Yeah. Or explain for our listeners, because I know that Jace and I have sometimes, I don't want to say have gotten confused, but Jace was reprimanded by one of the youths <laughs> uh-huh. a few years ago at a at a panel that we did at USC. Oh, I didn't where, you were talking about the other guy. Where it. he referred to them as she. Oh. She was the president. Well, they were the president of the Gay Straight Alliance. Oh. I said and, Madam President. And right. And she said no. And, and they got on his ass. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh. So can you explain to our, our listeners, can you lay it out for them, like why you chose your pronouns mm-hmm. and... And do you prefer one over the other? or Right. So I identify as gender nonconforming. Um, I use all pronouns, male, female, and non-gendered pronouns, um, mainly because I don't really find a home in any of those pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm okay with use of any of them. All I care about is if the name on the check is spelled correctly and I get my money. That's all that really matters for me personally. Right. But some people are very... Um, you know, particular, particular about the words that are used to uh, address them, which um, to each his or her or their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I it doesn't matter to me personally. OK. Do you find that because I don't want to jump into the interview mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time, but mm-hmm. I do have to ask a follow up question. Do you ever find that people ha- uh, to be like microaggressive in that they might keep emphasizing he, he, he or she, she, she? Because I have GNC, I know GNC people mm-hmm. and some of them have have told me that you know, in certain instances, like maybe like a family gathering or workplace, uh, mm-hmm. or they put a little and people are like him. Like, You're right. right. Like they put like little. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it does happen. Um, but for me, so it, it depends. So like if I'm in like for a lot of the public facing things that I do, um, I'll use they as a gender pronoun just because I um, want to help people kind of retrain their right, tongues. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and they may not ever encounter someone who uses they as a gender pronoun. And so mm-hmm. if you're inviting me somewhere, theoretically, you would be open to using said pronoun. Uh-huh. Um, but but yeah, sometimes you see people who, you know, want to harp on, on the he because that's how yeah. they see me. Um, it, it means very little to me personally. Because the check. Because it's all about the money, honey. <laughs> right. Okay? That's all that really matters. So Can I ask how old you are, by the way? I'm 26. Okay. A baby. Oh, my God. I'm tiny. I know. Jason and I, so you were a freshman when we were seniors. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I ran into Ronnie this past weekend, and he oh, really? was like, why do you and Char always harp on turning 30? Why are we I'm ageists? Like, it was a big deal. And it is. It really 30 is, is a big deal. It Thank really you. is a big deal. 30 Thank is you. a big deal. When I turn 30, I'm going to hopefully Well, when you turn something. 30, we'll be almost 35. Right. We'll have so, kids by then. Damn. <laughs> I'll be a smooth 34 <laughs> for your 30th uh, extravaganza. But it really is. And it, 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 and it, also, it always, always causes you to like take stock. Like that's what I found. Mm. But we're not going to go into a tangent about 30. So no need. <laughs> again. No, right. Again. No need to change the channel. So... 
small talk. So today is the fourth, but of course you all know that we're listening to this on the sixth. But we have to acknowledge it's been 50 years since the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. He was 39. He would have been 89 on to, I mean, well, you know, during this time. Right, right, right. Um, and so what does that mean to you all? Like when I was thinking about this uh-huh. today, I'll go first. When I was thinking about right. this today, and I'm not trying to uh, cloud his legacy or anything, but I was thinking about how oftentimes Martin Luther King is weaponized, especially mm-hmm. that "damn I have a dream" speech. Right. It's you. Fight a lot of people pull it out. And... Right. A lot of people pull it out <laughs> with with insincere intentions, and it's just like a way to indirectly tell you to to shut up and right. and and miss and place that rage that rage somewhere else. I also thought it was interesting because on Good Morning America this morning, uh, they had his. His granddaughter had just recently spoke at the, at the march, the gun rally, uh-huh. um, anti-gun rally. Excuse me, but the son had said that uh, he he believes that MLK would have appreciated all of the movements of today, Black Lives Matter, Me Too. Mm-hmm. But then you know you do some digging, and he I think he would have been in, incriminated in the Me Too movement because well. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, allegedly MLK was, you know, was out here doing some things. Dipping. But uh, he was, nonetheless, and that's not taking away from anything. Nonetheless, he was a great man. I saw Selma. He set set the pace for a lot of things. And he was the face for a lot of things. And we'll honor his legacy. So what does MLK 50 mean to you? This was the number one trending topic. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I just remember going, I had a, I spoke at a event was that two years ago in Memphis, Tennessee? And everyone knows, like, I'm L.A. or New York. Like, I don't know anything in between middle America. But me being in Memphis, Tennessee, just kind of opened up my eyes to, I guess, the racial tension that really exists in this country. Because mm-hmm. I'm lost, I'm blindsided a lot by, like, what's kind of going on. So being in Tennessee and then actually going to the place where MK was shot at the museum now. So, Lorraine Motel. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lorraine Motel. And then Trinity Museum, for what it's called. But it just was just so surreal to me, especially going through and seeing these pictures of people with the mug shots from the 60s and the 50s. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, and I remember that was the same exact week in that DeRay um, got arre- yeah, got was arrested, arrested in on Baton his Rouge birthday. for right. uh, mm-hmm. Alton Sterling. And I was like, this shit is still going on. And like it was just, I remember crying in the middle of this museum. Like, damn, like your, we're still it'll here. Hit you in your it's very emotional. I mean, you you mentioned earlier. I went to Morehouse. Morehouse is where Martin Luther King Jr. went. He's mm-hmm. our most famous uh, alum. And so we were kind of. He was very much ingrained into our education. There's a big ass statue on mm-hmm. our campus. We have a, our chapel is named after him. Um, but you're right. Martin Luther King is a very complica- complex and complicated individual mm-hmm. who we don't always look at that full picture mm-hmm. of who he was. He was, you know, he did cheat on his wife. Yes, he, he did. did, you know, ha- say some very inappropriate things about other women mm-hmm. in the movement. Um and yes, he is weaponized. People kind of zero in on the I Have a Dream speech or mm-hmm. some of the other um, kind of pinnacle moments in his life without even realizing in a lot of ways. A lot of these people that are using him these days mm-hmm. should actually look a little deeper into the stuff that he was actually in like, favor of Like, let's not forget the FBI for. had his phone lines tapped. Really? So it wasn't just about, like, it, it's not this Mr. Rogers neighborhood type form mm-hmm. of protest. And he was assassinated. Let's not, let's right. be clear. Right. He was murdered. He was right. murdered. So right. And people try 
try to sugarcoat. I think Mike Pence tweeted today and was like, when he was tragically taken away. No, call no, it what it is. Right. He was shot. Yes, he was tragically taken away, but he was also assassinated. Very much like, so. And so, yeah. Moving on, um, there's a lot that happened today when I was doing my research. It, like my research combined with the Facebook memories, I saw that mm. it's Jill Scott's birthday, Candy and Todd's Grits. wedding anniversary. It's also the Carters. I still remember mm-hmm. when Beyonce and Jay-Z, mm-hmm. the, the hubbub around them getting married. Like You do? I thought it was a secret. No, no. Well, I mean, it, what, but I'm saying there was hubbub around the secret because um. they got married on that rooftop in New York. Mm-hmm. It was like... 400 like white gardenias like I remember mm-hmm. specific that was around the time of like single ladies had like just come out or was about to come out that was 10 years ago yeah single ladies was an 08 Ooh. single I want to say yeah that sounds right like November 08 yeah I was in you were in college that sounds yeah. right yeah 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 so I was in high ago, school shit 10 years <laughs> of lemonading uh, but anyway so yeah happy anniversary to the Carters I wore my Ivy Park today because I mean I had to um, also, <laughs> my Angelou, the late my Angelou today is her birthday. <laughs> and she would have been 90. So it feels almost, yeah. I guess, like karmic. Like it was in the universe. This is our 90th episode. Mm-hmm. Today would have been Maya's mm-hmm. uh, 90th birthday. And I saw a lot of people pay tribute to her. Google did a really nice layout with Phenomenal Woman. Yes. Which is a poem that I love. Mm. Um, and yeah, my Angelou, there's some great docs on her on um, Netflix that I checked out a while ago. But they were so good. Like, things that I didn't know, like her and James Baldwin, they were really good friends. Mm-hmm. Like really, like keyed on each other's time. Okay. Like mm-hmm. James Reed and Maya okay. type mm-hmm. friends, yes. you know. Um, also her son in that horrible car accident in, in Africa. Yeah, that's her. I was like, am I getting her mixed up with Nina Simone? No, I'm not. Um, (laughs) Because both of them have great docs on Netflix. And so, yeah, if you all get some time, check out the Maya. Check out what's going on with Maya. I'm not mad to be aligned with um, Maya Angelou at all. Why not? So I'm not upset that we are. Kiss and Tell Radio. Oh, I thought you said you're not allowed to be aligned with her. I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh, she hurt my feelings back in the day, but I got over it. Maya hurt your feelings? I'm just joking. Oh. <laughs> I was about to say, did she read you? I was about to say. She, she, she probably would have. She probably did. The love is. <laughs> okay, so last weekend we also had, which I'm going to address in my topic, uh, but we had the Trans Day of Visibility. We did. And Easter. What did you guys do on Easter? <laughs> Anything? Easter. Anything um, I rolled around in bed. <laughs> I think I caught a flight on Easter. No, that was the day after. I was supposed to, but it got sold out. Um, yeah, I went oh, I went to the restaurant. I had breakfast with my roommate. Um that's about it. I think the first time I haven't gone home cuz my family's from California, so I usually go home and do the whole church thing, but I stayed in LA and mm-hmm. had potatoes and avocado and poached eggs. It was great. Well, Mama Boring. Sharon was in town, mm-hmm. so my weekend was just, I can barely remember anything. It was just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing, but I had a great <laughs> she time. She was posting the hell out of you. I yeah. was like, I mean, when she pictures. does that, when she's in New York, she posts the hell out of my sisters. Mm-hmm. So this is my first time seeing my mom since uh, Christmas. So we had a good time. We had a really good time. We did a lot, got a lot accomplished, had a lot of deep conversations. I mean, we always have deep conversations, but I feel like as an adult, mm-hmm. experiencing my mother mm-hmm. as an adult. Um, it's different. It is. Mm-hmm. And every time we talk, 
it's something to lock away for me because it's something else that she mentions that comes out. And mm. I'm just like, wow. And it's just so funny. And I really can appreciate understanding her as a woman, understanding right. her thought process. When my mom was my age. She was a, a mommy of one. Like my mm -hmm. mom had me at 30. So just the parallels of, and she's a big journaler like I am. Mm -hmm. So a few, a few parallels in our way of thinking like, wow. I thought that I was that I that, that this was unique to my experience and right. my mother was going through the exact same thing or my mom mm -hmm. had the exact same thoughts when she was my age except she was married and a mother of one and not running around LA as a single Sally. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was my weekend. It was good. Trans Day of Visibility I posted on both Instagram and Twitter. And some of you all's responses were so disingenuous. I did not realize and I was sharing this with our producer Bird before you all got here. I'm a visible trans woman. I may not wear it on a shirt, mm -hmm. but I certainly, every platform that I've been on, whether you all have watched me with that network or Char Says So <laughs> YouTube or listen to the Kiss and Tell, I never hide or divert attention away from my transness. So for some of the replies, I got a slew of replies, in particular from black gay men oh, Lord. that were <laughs> in poor taste. There were like backhanded compliments. Uh, one of the replies even said, oh, I thought you were a real girl. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought you were a real girl and all. So it's, it's things like that. But you're also like doubling down and saying, like, I've supported your career for the past three years. So I'm telling you, I am a real woman. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. just trans. I'm mm -hmm. trans, but I am a real woman. You handle that and also, very well, thank you too. for listening. Right. Like, I don't know what else yeah. to say. <laughs> Stay tuned, you know. So, I got a few of those re responses, including a, a, a DM from a lesbian who was like, <laughs> I've had the, cr the biggest crush on you for the longest. Like, you don't have to stop. I mean, I'm still right. a woman. You know? right. I'm still who I am. Right. right. So, it, it's, it's crazy to me every time uh, that, that, topics around transness arise and p people think I'm just some sort of advocate mm -hmm. online and it's like no I speak in first person like I this is my experience yeah. as a trans woman and people don't know how to like say certain things people ask me to like hey like, I want to say this but how do I word this so it's not offensive and I was like, I appreciate the, I guess, the ask versus just doing. And just it's just doing, like, right. it's like the compliment, like, oh, you're really like, you're really hot for a black guy. Yeah, that, that's like, almost, that's a perfect example. Yeah, right. it's just like, but, uh, mm, like, thank you, but like, no. Right. Can I just be hot, period? Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So I think it's kind of, like, people don't really know how, because they don't mean harm intentionally, but it's just like, you need to like really reword your, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. like the whole real woman and thing. You need to, just like, I feel no, like no, you no, need no. to also uh, dissect and pick apart your intention right. and your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the stuff is there. And I just felt kind of, I don't know, I tweeted about this this morning, how I, I used to be hell-bent on assimilation and passing and pretty privilege. Because, I mean, if mm. we're being totally honest, it's, Essential to survival. Yeah, it definitely like is. Um, safer. It is. A, it, definitely it really is. is essential to survival. But at the end of the day, I realized that it didn't matter whether I had all of that or none of that. Mm -hmm. The world still views me like they view my sister. Mm -hmm. So in turn, I'm not my sister's keeper. I am my sister. That's not to get too deep on y'all, but it took me a lot of pain. And I still hold on mm -hmm. to it. I'd be lying if I if I said that I let go of all of those ideas, but. 
I, it, it's a it's a journey. It's a learning process. Mm-hmm. I've let go of a lot of them because it's not all what it's cracked up to be. And it also, it every pro has a con right. when it comes to that. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. How was your Easter, by the way? Speaking My dubs. Easter? Yeah. Um, I had a man come over and oh. cook me breakfast. Oh. oh. <laughs> how how was that? What did, what did they cook? It was uh uh pancakes and eggs and sausage. Ooh, it was sausage. great. Not that kind. Um <laughs> turkey sausage. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did he leave at at noon or No, he left at like three. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cute. Are you single? I am single. Okay. Travel mm-hmm. tweets some very interesting um some very interesting dating experiences. <laughs> do I do have to ask really quickly before we mm-hmm. get into that. Did you, how did you like Blockers? I saw that you were at the screening for it. I didn't like it personally, but everybody else uh, seems to enjoy it. That's the okay. one with the, the daughters. With the girls making the pack. Okay. Yeah, there yeah. is, I mean, there's a, there, one of the three girls is lesbian, um, and she's figuring out her sexuality throughout oh, the movie. Oh, that's progressive. Um, and, but there, there is a small kind of, gay panic scene that the you know that these big comedy movies often kind of yeah. rely on and so that's cheap jokes yes it soured it for me a little bit but i mean there's there's some laughs there you should definitely check it out if you're looking for something to do this looking weekend into that. yeah and mm. have any of you all because we missed last week we had last week off have any of you all checked out the roseanne reboot no i'm not going to either same over here um i'm not not interested in Roseanne as as a as a person with She's her horrible. particular politics. Vile. Um, I used to think she was hilarious as a comedian, but um, the more that she's kind of expressed her different viewpoints, I would rather not support someone like that. And then also, the show doesn't seem like something I would be interested in. Of course, I was never interested in the original. In the original, either. Right. So now, what I will say is, for me, I did end up watching mm-hmm. the first two episodes when it premiered. They it was an hour, so it's thirty minutes per episode, like a sitcom. Okay. But did you it was like the it? First two. I will say that it was it was pretty good. I heard it was good. It was. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit up here in front. It was it was pretty. I got a few it got a few chuckles out yeah. of me. However, I can't do. I could. I literally cannot separate the vile, disgusting person from the because what what fucks you up with the show is that because it's her and her character share a name. Right. It kind of conflates the personalities mm, and right. her character is more palatable than the real person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though it's technically like the same person, but the character is more likable than the actual person and the actual politics. Even though the character is a Trump supporter, they do it in a kitschy coup type way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I cannot bring myself to, because of course with the with the reboot, all of the receipts and skeletons came out of the closet, at least on my Twitter timeline. Yeah, very much so. And it's like, mm-hmm. damn, I, I forgot when she said that, or I didn't even know she posed as as Hitler mm-hmm. with Jewish gingerbread cookies on a baking tray. Like, this is a, a horrible person. I didn't know she was transphobic. Mm-hmm. I don't follow Rosa. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, mm-mm, she yeah. won't get another rating out of me. But it should be interesting, interesting to see how ABC navigates this because with her being such a shitty person at her core... Now there's a spotlight. Mm-hmm. So when she makes the next big viral tweet or does the next crappy thing, how is ABC's PR going to rework that? Well, I will say they're banking on, the, on far, those ratings. They have. I don't. I don't know if they've spoken to her about it, but like she's deleted some of those I, I, I questionable really? tweets. Like she's yeah, she's, she's one of those people Pizza who. And, yes, she's one of those people <gasps> who shared some of those 
uh, conspiracy, yeah, yeah. alt-right theory type things. Uh-huh. And she's deleted a lot of them. Um, I don't know if ABC is telling her to do that or whether mm-hmm. she's just doing it because she doesn't want to mess up this money from the show. They've already gotten renewed for season two. Yeah, I mean, well, it's the highest rated thing on yeah. television right yeah. now. So. I don't think right now is the time to, like, entertain something like that. I mean, maybe if it was like five years from now when the whole Trump thing is over, but I think right now the times are so sensitive. Well, they're trying to rewrite. They're trying to make Trump supporters seem marginalized and working class and all right. that, and that's not the case. That's just but really not the case. people are dying. Good point. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good point, yeah. That's so, true. So it's like he's not, mm, no. Sorry. That's all I wanted to talk about for Small Talk. I'll save the other topics for next week, but before we jump into the LGBT corner, I'd like to share with you all a little blurb from Reverend Mother, Dr. Maya Angelou. Take a listen, guys. If a human being dreams a great dream, dares to love somebody, if a human being dares to be Martin King or Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa or Malcolm X, if a human being dares to be bigger than the condition into which she or he was born. It means so can you. And so you can try to stretch, stretch, stretch yourself. So you can internalize a homo sum humani nihila meali enum puto. I am a human being. Nothing human can be alien to me. That's one thing I'm learning. Amen. You felt that, didn't you? Yeah. I want to take a lap around the room. (laughs) Right. Yes. I got goosebumps and everything. (laughs) I I felt that's from um, her episode of Masterclass on the OWN Network. I think she had like a three-parter. But uh, go ahead with your corner. And now it's time for the LGBT Corner. So this week's LGBT Corner um, is something that GLAAD is tackling. So recently um, I had a friend who works for a very uh, popular network television show. Kind of, She asked me questions all the time kind of about how to write these characters and stuff like that. And I kind of give her advice. There's a lot of LGBT people on this show. And a lot of times people who are writing the show are not LGBT. Um, so they kind of have to do consultations, stuff like that. Um, but glad, um, is actually doing a call to action for media outlets to address the amount of trans women who are being murdered. Um, so I'll tweet the link. So they built, um, kind of a page where they're going to be constantly updating throughout the year of the women who are being, um, murdered. So the most recent one was Sasha Wall. She was killed on April 1st in, um, Chesterfield County, South Carolina. Jesus. Um, she was 29 years old and she is the eighth trans person this year, um, to be murdered. And so it's just crazy to me because us being LGBTQ or whatever we are, we kind of are in the know about these different um, topics and stuff like that. But a lot of time mainstream media and mainstream audiences, whether they be black or whatever, are not in the know. And so, you know, I'm talking to my friend who, you know, has LGBT characters, but they're not in the know what's actually going on in the community, especially the black LGBT community. So I think it's important, especially as Kiss and Tell, being a black podcast, it's our duty to kind of bring light to these things and kind of inform people because it's just not okay. 
Well, what I will say is really quickly to piggyback off of your corner is it is very hard to keep up with the rate of trans murders as it disproportionately affects black trans women because oftentimes there's misgendering or there's just a plethora of things. There's no like census. Mm-hmm. Like Monica Roberts, shout out to her, transgrio.com. Yes. She keeps her finger to the to the damn pulse and she will get the tea. But a lot of the times if it ain't from, if it does not come from her, I wouldn't know. Aside from that, well with all due respect to your friend, I feel like so often, at least in my experience, cis people cishet people, well, no cis people, just in general, uh, require this kind of like one-on-one experience, require teachable moments. When, to reconcile. When a lot of things are Googleable. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. A lot of things are Googleable. So it's not like it's this like hidden conversation deep, deep within some secret community of black LGBTQ people. This stuff is a hashtag away. This stuff is a is a scroll on your Instagram away. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like we are working overtime to elevate certain conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's some hush secret that, you know, whatever is going on in whatever community. One thing I often tell people is like, you know, there are people out here who you can pay to help you. If you're not trying to pay me to help you, then I can't. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm I not going to do that. your work for you for free. Yes. Um, even even my friends, like, if you're doing it for your job and you want, you know, to make your place more inclusive or whatever, there are people who can come and do consulting for you. Mm-hmm. I can do consulting for you. You can pay me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, as you said, Google is free. And if you want to do the, the labor that it takes, you yes. know, to type in a couple words, then I, I'm not interested in doing that work for you for free. Absolutely. It, it For me, it's just become draining, especially when I know that Janet Mock, Isis King, we often joke o- o- about especially trans 101. Yes. Mm-hmm. Trans 101 is so fucking draining. Mm-hmm. And so it's like and a lot of the times it's not even for people to retain the information. It's just, oh, we need we want to sound interesting. So come on our show and talk about it. But they don't walk away changed people. They don't walk away oftentimes, in my opinion. I don't know. You all can refute in my mentions if you want to. Uh, they don't walk away honoring the conversation. Mm-hmm. It's just like something to do. Yeah. I mean, in my experience, I definitely have had those experiences. But I know there's a lot of times where people like generally come to me for I guess advice. And I'm not or saying questions. that that's your friend, by the way. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're, I have no problem explaining things to people or if I could contribute. And that's why contribute. They came to you. Right. <laughs> and, so, like, and some people are, inter- are interested and okay with like taking on that responsibility yes. yeah. and that burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Others aren't. Travell and Shar so re- are not. L- listen, well, without I mean, you, a can, you can pay me <laughs> um, or you can come to an NABJ meeting where I'm okay doing it or right, a right, panel right. where I'm okay doing it. And you did it. so well. With that one uh, time Ooh, where you child. covered, I did. <laughs> what time? I did a uh, so every month we have an NABJ meeting uh-huh. and we have different topics that we do. Okay. Um. So one that I wanted to do for our you know membership, that was which November, is November, right? Uh, November last November, which are primarily veteran mid career journalists, is I wanted mm-hmm. to do uh, a session on kind of covering the LGBTQ community. So it was super one on one. We started down with like the difference between sex and gender and worked our way. It was a down. great PowerPoint presentation Thank like you. you busted it down to the Good damn gristle job. but the, <laughs> it was color the, the types of questions that you know 
I got, um, which I expected because I've done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ju- it just goes to show that you know people aren't going to Google and they just don't know. And... Well, especially people of a particular age, right? Because th- that's where you were getting it from. And some of those questions, honestly, I just felt were patronizing. Mm-hmm. I don't felt like they were sincere because it's like, okay, Travell just was up here mm-hmm. and you busted it down to the most layman's of terms and now hands are being shot up you know uh with the most elementary remedial questions that really make no they don't require any sort of deep thinking or understanding to to get to they're like well what if the grandmother i don't even want to say i don't even remember some of the questions but i sat in the back of the room and i just observed because a lot of people in that room i'd venture to say None of them know Mati. Yeah. I, so I it. It, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. I have the patience for it. And I, like I said, I'd rather people ask me and have people know. And I, I could definitely shuffle through the people who are just being stupid. Mm-hmm. Or you, you would think. Or people who are asking, like, I generally like, want, right. I want to know. Right. I need help. Mm-hmm. And I'll help out. But. God yep. bless you. That's my corner. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He well, said, God help me. He said, bless you. Because <laughs> that requires a patience I don't have. So my topic this week, we are discussing something that there has been an insurgence on my timeline and my personal life. I feel like, you know, recently for me within the, the past month or so, I've seen a turnaround in both my personal and professional life and I'm riding the wave. I'm literally taking each day as it comes and I'm riding the wave, but I'm having a good time and hey. I'm out here zading and zooing it and just having a good time. Um, but I've noticed that there's been, like I said, an influx of this presence of transphobic rhetoric that keeps showing up in my life and I don't know, I don't understand it and I also don't care to understand it. So that's what's different today versus six months or a year ago because I would have cared to understand it and I would begin picking it apart. I just don't care. I'm literally like, I'm just living my life. Mm-hmm. I'll let someone else pick up the ball. And I'm not saying that people are showing or are targeting me individually. It's just when I see problematic things. So my topic this week is about faux allyship. And what I mean by that is, and I've noticed an in, in influx of this, Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there are people who are allies strictly out of performative reasons and not in real life. And when I first was thinking of this topic, I thought of two things. I said, Char, Char said, yes. I said, (laughs) how can we, how can we move this conversation forward for one? And for two, is it fair for you to sit back and kind of judge what you see? Because you you really don't know. Like someone could critique me for not being at the women's march or certain things like that. And I call myself a feminist. You know, you like mm-hmm. you can't nitpick people's quote unquote activism. But I'm talking about just a general umbrella of what I see. And then typically it comes from the same people. Like it's a pattern type thing. I'm not saying that every every cause that okay. you're fighting for is equal to, to your personal experience or what have you. I'm just saying that there are people out there mm-hmm. where their activism is performative. Mm-hmm. It's two hashtags and I'm moving on with my life or I know how to throw, I, I took a, a, a good writing class and I know how to string together two tweets and I bounce on. Like I don't care anything about marginalized people. I don't care anything about Flint water. Like it's just, you know, right. and so what are you all? Like, I feel like some of that is like social media activism is important, 
though, because it raises the conversation and the visibility. But at do you actually really fucking care? Do you care? Right, right. <laughs> right. There, there's a place for care? tweets. There's a place for hashtags. But are you are you putting money behind your tweets? Yeah. Right. Or your are time you, and energy. Your time and energy. Are you willing to put your body on the line for your yes. activism? Mm-hmm. Like that's why I I don't like the word ally. I like the word accomplice. Right. I want you no. to be in concert with me. And sometimes if you are a person of privilege and you want to say you are an ally or supporter of my cause, that usually means you have to give up something. Thing. And so I want you to be an accomplice with me. I want you to work with me Ooh. in order to undo, you know, all of these systems that are oppressing all of us, mm-hmm. not just me. Because you could be an ally at home eating Cheetos. Very much so. You can. Mm-hmm. You can, especially with the way that social media works today. Now, I know a quick story that I have to share is last Monday I, I met up with a, a homegirl for a happy hour on brand in Glendale. <laughs> and uh, on my way. Oh, I was like, on brand? On my Kendall? way home i took a lift and my uber driver well my lyft driver i was like oh he's kind of cute he was armenian y'all know how i get now <laughs> even though i i do want to say i think that kiss and tell listeners would be pleased to know that i went on a successful date with the black man Did yes. You? yes it started at 8 p.m and ended at 11 30 p.m all in the same restaurant we were in a, the conversation was that good you all know i love a, an informed man he was not mansplaining it like literally there were no red flags oh i really enjoyed myself there was no like misogyny like we disagreed on a few things like he likes nipsey huts hustle uh-huh. and i was like mm. well nipsey said xyz like <laughs> but it was like yeah, fun yeah. conversation mm-hmm. it was fun debate so yeah well it wasn't even a debate but he said that he was like, I can Light tell what debate. type of woman you are. Right. Like I said, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like can't that. enjoy the party without the politics. Hello. So, Amen. Uh, <laughs> That's a word. Again, right. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, I get in this lift. And so I took a lift line. So I was the first person to be picked up. The second person was another black girl who sat in the back seat with me. And the third person was a white man who sat in the passenger side. On the ride home, I noticed that the guy, the driver, kept making like little, like little, like jokes. Harmless. He was like, his dating life is shitty. It's in the toilet. Some girl stood him up. Well. I was like, listen, I feel you. It's L.A. You know, yada yada yada. But as we got closer and closer to my damn destination, it got increasingly worse, and I had to tell him. You're being inappropriate. For for starters, he was making uh, misogynistic remarks about women because he was mad about, like, I mm. thought he was mad, like, in a joking way. Like, you know, people stand, he's like, no, these girls out here, like, playing games. Like, he was really mad. He's hurt. Right, real hurt. <laughs> you in the car with strangers who are raiding you, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> and leaving comments with your employer, calm it down. And so <laughs> we're, like, down. two blocks from my house and a car cut, cut him off. And he said, they, it must be an Asian. <gasps> That's exactly the reaction that I had. And he said, with their eyes, with their chinky eyes, da da da, da. Yes. Oh. Wow. And then his excuse was, like, as he could tell, the mood of the car had shifted, even though the white man was kind <laughs> <laughs> of... But course. the two black that women chuckle. in the back seat, we were looking at, you know, nonverbal mm-hmm. communication amongst mm-hmm. skin folk. Mm-hmm. And then his excuse was, what? We should be able to laugh at ourselves. We should be able to laugh at ourselves. Look, I'm Armenian. I'm hairy. We should be able to laugh at ourselves. And I had to tell him, but you're not Asian. Right. So you can't, you don't have license to make such a, an ignorant joke and then flip it to, we, we got, what, what can we, we do if we POCs. can't laugh at ourselves? Right. Like, what? no, 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 no. That's not how this <laughs> no. works. 
That's not how any of this works. So then I had to give him a two star and send Lyft a nice message about how he was being insensitive and rude because, like I said, it got increasingly worse. So that is a recent example of me showing because I have friends that are Asian. I have coworkers that I people that I love and respect. Hell, Mm -hmm. even without the friends. I enjoy tons of Asian cuisine. I like a shrimp fried rice Mm. and I like a sashimi. So (laughs) I can't sit up here. More spicy tuna. I can't sit up here and let something like that slide. Right, right. I just can't. And Mm -hmm. so that's that's my recent example of how um, my allyship, just like I would expect my Asian friends, if they were in the car with him and he was like, those Negroes, da 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 da, I'd expect uh -uh. you in my face every goddamn day, you texting, tweeting me, I'd expect you to show up. To show up. That's the important part. You've got to show up. If you say you're an ally, you say you're an accomplice, you say you're down for all these issues, show up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I read your question, your topic, um, Shar, the first thing I thought about was a particular um, church here in Los Angeles um, where they have a lot of LGBTQIA XYZ members that go there. And one of the reasons why I personally chose to kind of like not go there so much, one, because they play DVDs for the service. That's number one. Um, Number two. Then what's the point? Hello. I'm sorry. They do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) So I went to church and we had praise and worship Uh like usual. So there were real people leading the Real people, like Uh physical blood and cells. Is this one church? The Potter's House LA? The Descendant. Um, I heard on on Easter. They played a DVD. Yes. Pastor Teray was in Denver. He live streamed from Denver. Yeah. He was in Denver with their new church. What kind of new school Jesus is this? Yeah. First of all, Easter is like the busiest. Exactly. That's when niggas really go to church. Oh, no. If I wash my ass and wear my pastels to get to church. (laughs) And beat this mug and curl this this center park To watch Facebook Live? Are you kidding me? (laughs) The fuck? I could have been right at home in my pajama pants. Anyways. Yeah, whatever. That's the church. So um, I know that church has a lot of different members. And, like, there's three services. It's always packed every single time. And whether it comes from Torre or from anyone else, there has never been an acknowledgement of it, like, being okay to be LGBT or gay or whatever the case may be. Really? There has been. And what I've known, I mean, I remember when love when they passed the um, law with, uh, with same gender loving, uh, sorry, marriages, mm-hmm. marriage equality, marriage equality. There we go. Um, he just say love wins and people clap, but it was kind of like an elusive, like oh he's talking about it's us. an umbrella term. Mm-hmm. Like oh, and it's love like, thy neighbor. And I think mm-hmm. that it's crazy to me because like me, like you don't know, but I was raised in the church. My stepped as a pastor, mm. and I was raised to believe that if you're gay, you're going to hell. And so when I was coming to terms with who I was as a person, I battled with that a lot. Mm-hmm. And because of what I was taught from a child is that I'm going to hell. So I like, was that's conflicted. just the default. Yeah, where everybody else out here eating pig knuckles. <laughs> And sucking and mixing fabrics. Right. Abusive well. and pedophiles or whatever the case may be in, right. the, in the church. But nowadays, now is LGBT is okay. So we're progressive. But I'm just like, you have to also understand that Jesus died 2018 years ago. What was going on then? Now it's a different um, agenda mm-hmm. and now we accept you guys, but there's no like apology about like the people who died because they thought they were going to hell or people mm-hmm. who were conflicted. I mean, you can say the same with racism. 
Yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just like I don't, I, I don't know if what there needs to be, but Black now that need to pay rent for something, right? Hello, I don't think Amen. so. Well, Amen. listen, I don't think so. I'll take it. <laughs> Sign I need that. Sign it's that a bill. short month too. I need that. Right. Yeah, but I know, I know specific people who have come to like try to start, you know, LGBT groups or part, oh, part of the church at the church okay. or like you know special ministries that are within the church. Like, you like y'all got women's ministries, men's, right? But it don't cater Youth, to me, right? Yeah, right, as right. a lesbian or a trans, like it don't right. care to me. And right. then it's kind of just like, well, you know, we don't want to step over, like, but it's just like we see, are here, especially every with TD single involved Sunday. now. We know where he stands with LGBT. But see, this right. is like I can't do that because I also grew up in the church. My grandmother was a pastor, uh-huh. um, and all the Baptist, assumptions you yeah. want to make. We were non-denominational, but okay. we were very Baptist. Uh-huh. That's rare for a Southerner. Yeah, mm-hmm. South for a South Carolinian. Well, my, my grandmother, she grew up Baptist. She was raised in the Baptist church, mm-hmm. um, but then she had some little dealings with her pastor who didn't, who, did not agree with her calling into pastorship. Oh, yeah. Because she was a woman? Uh, because she was a woman. Okay. And so she left and started her own church in her living room. And they that's They do how not believe that women. I have two aunts that, that mm-hmm. go to a church that still to this day, and it's a missionary Baptist church. Yep. Women do not wear pants. Mm-hmm. And women do not belong in the pulpit. And I, that perplexes me because mm-hmm. your God is all-knowing and anything is possible, anything but, but that, a woman being called to minister. It's so right. crazy, the, the, the <laughs> black church and all of its denominations. But, but I've had people... People who invite me to church and I tell them, I said, so are y'all welcoming and affirming? And they're like, oh, yeah, we have gay people. We have trans people. We have drag queens who come in, all this other stuff. I said, great. Where can I find it on the website? Like, I, I, need, I, need, right. I need you to say right. it because I need to know. Without and representation a doubt. matters. Exactly. I need to know without a doubt that I am welcome here. I need to know where where's the queer pastor, like the mm-hmm. openly queer pastor who is, you know, with their okay, wife come on, or their openly husband. Queer. Oh, come Jesus. on, I gotta ring the bell on that a few times. <laughs> because I just don't I don't need to to pick up on these the the, the coded ways in which we show up in the oh, church, oh, right? Yes. I that's cute and I, I love it, you know, let them do them, but I need somebody who's gonna stand up and, and stand as clearly as possible in their identity mm-hmm. in order for me to know that someone like me can show up or as I show acknowledge up. Acknowledge it verbally. This, at minimum. At the minimum. At yeah. minimum. Don't be no yeah. elusive love wins and that, like no 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 tell me that I am not going to hell. Listen, I you, want you to go down the list: lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, intersex, right. queer, asexual, yep. polysexual, etc. And tell children. me that I am welcome here and that God loves me just like He loves you and that we all gonna do this damn thing. Like right. I, I need that. I don't. And I don't. So, want, I don't want that. And otherwise. so what also brought attention to this topic is Ashley Marie Preston, who hosts a podcast on mm-hmm. uh, Reverie. She, uh, we're Facebook friends, but her Facebook is public. So if you get a chance, go check it out. But she made, and it it was a screenshot of a tweet where she said that she was fearful of her life um, because she was like in CVS, I'm paraphrasing. She was like in CVS and these black men, it was a group of black men Mm -hmm. hitting on her. Mm -hmm. And she was Mm -hmm. afraid Mm -hmm. because if they clocked her, anything could happen. Clock is a street term for being able to clock that you're trans Mm -hmm. anything could happen and so i read the the comments there were like a hundred and so you know when you go through the facebook rabbit hole you got to see all the comments Mm -hmm. sometimes and so it was interesting to see like i said with the whole influx of uh, women co-signing harmful rhetoric and people like well why does the color matter well the color does matter ashley what i like about ashley is she just started posting the the trans murders Mm -hmm. because black trans women are being murdered by black men. Yep. So that is why in that context <laughs> of her tweet, mm-hmm. color and race mattered. Right. Because black trans women, I mean, I'm not saying that no other race 
kills trans people. But if you look at the the track record, the stats show black the stats men show that black women. men are taking trans black trans women out mm-hmm. at a staggering rate. And so uh, between that and like I said, other little like harmful things that people had linked me to and not when I say linked me to, I don't mean like ill will. It's just like, girl, this is crazy. Look at this Mm -hmm. or read this and things that just could harm my personal space. I literally had to unplug and disengage because it just was like, I don't know if this is mercury retrograde, but I don't need this shit right now. Even today, this morning I woke up to a tweet where there was a, a guy in the club dancing with a trans woman and everybody's recording him, letting him know that's a dude. That's a dude. Oh my God. Mind you, he was thoroughly enjoying himself, and I, I'm willing to bet money that he got her number. Because um, when he stopped dancing with her, he didn't, wasn't shook or anything. He, right. I'd venture to say he knew right. her tea before the rest of the club did. Um, but the thread under that, like, always check the hands. Like, all of this harmful what? rhetoric regarding, like, secondary characteristics. Not all trans women have big hands and Adam's apples and all of these things that you all have dreamt up in your heads and mm-hmm. even when they do that's okay i know girls who people would deem quote-unquote unacceptable who stay booed up very much stay so. booed mm-hmm. up and i'm a single sally stay booed up mm-hmm. fine men they, like you know and so i just feel like overall what i've been witnessing is this this notion that I, I I guess I've been living in my own bubble for too long, but this notion that trans people are like not desirable or sought after. And I'm like, are y'all serious right now? Like what I'm seeing on Twitter and Facebook, like, like mm. I said, it's just been, and then like I said, clips of things that people have sent me, it's just been a, a week of BS. And I just don't understand it, especially coming from, especially, and I've said this on this platform before, black gay men. Not saying that I'm holding black gay men at a higher standard. It's just I've seen black gay men show up for trans women online. Mm -hmm. And then I've also seen them online berating and degrading trans women. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like the same trans women. There's a, a meme floating around on Facebook right now. I've been unfriending people left and right that I saw on Twitter months ago with this, I don't know if she is non-conforming or if she is a a trans or if she subscribes to the binary, but she posted when Fenty Beauty first launched and she was like, uh, Rihanna, the caption said, Rihanna got me out here looking like a meal. And it was like three pictures in her Twitter photo set. And someone retweeted and said, you misspelled male instead of meal. Like Rihanna got me out here looking like a meal. So someone screenshotted that and it's making its rounds on Twitter. And it's being shared. I mean, I'm friends with all different types of people, but it's being shared predominantly from cis black women and black gay men. Wow. So it's just like, like I said, little harmful things like that, that I feel like the darkness is trying to creep in and, and, and wreck my vibe. Like I said, I'm, I'm living good right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just refuse to acknowledge it or go back and forth with people because it's like, why are you even my Facebook friend? Mm -hmm. Why are you even following me on Twitter? Like, but like you said, Jace, a lot of the times maybe people don't know how to word things. But to me, that's not an excuse in 2018 when everybody has these devices in their back pockets and their purses and everybody got a data plan. You Google everything else. And there's just a certain stop taking the humanity out of trans people. Mm-hmm. Stop mm-hmm. using trans people as cheap jokes. Like it's just not. I don't I for the life of me, I do not understand it. I just don't understand it. And I'm done trying to understand it. Yeah, I think the issue is is that they don't understand it. Oh, I feel like some of them do. 
that some of them be gaslighting. I refuse mm. to believe that the people, everybody, the, the vast majority leading these conversations or these witch hunts or whatever you want to call it are just under a rock. No, 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 no. I believe whatever demographic that you're in. Or whether, refuse to understand it. I'll put it that way. Well, yeah. Because it's been addressed on yeah. their favorites on Atlanta FX. It's been mm. in the new, like, you know what I'm saying? It, you can't go anywhere without the trans conversation mm. somewhere within your programming since niggas don't like to read. Somewhere within uh, <laughs> oh your God. programming or a Twitter thread. and like I just, I refuse to believe that. Trans yeah. people are almost everywhere now so yeah that was just my just make sure that you all's allyship is for real and mm-hmm. not performative because we clock it we see it and when you calling on people when you you got a cause calling on people you'll notice it as well mm-hmm. you'll notice it as well amen so and churches in particular one church say something i mean with churches you have lgbt people giving money 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 and i gave uh, my advice today giving membership, all different types of things. And what are you, what are you getting in return? Seeking says? help and guidance, like at the minimum, but well, they'll help and guide you just not on a public display. You got to meet. I've been turned down by, I remember I went to go get prayer from, you've been turned down uh-huh, for uh-huh. prayer. Uh-huh. Well, sorry, excuse me. I went up to have prayer and I was an adult at this time, but it was my youth pastor from a child who was now on the board or a deacon or something at another church that I happened to visit with my boyfriend at the time. And I went up there and I went up there for prayer with him. And I wasn't necessarily wanting to be prayed together as a unit, but I just went up there and he was with me and he pulled me closer the deacon, I should say. And he was just like, Hey, like, I'm missing to let you know, like, I don't sit feel comfortable. Back down. <laughs> no, no, sit your asses back down. But he's like, I'm not going to pray for you guys together. Like, I don't have an issue okay, praying with go. you individually, but, like, I'm not going to pray for you guys as a unit. And I was just like... Were y'all, were y'all going up there to get prayed together as a unit? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Your but boyfriend he felt went the with need. you for support. No, no, he wanted to get prayer, too. But we were... I was in... We didn't go up there, like, okay, we're going to get prayer together. It was just like we were both going and up there. Right, so he made the assumption. Right, he made the assumption made that the we assumption. were up there mm-hmm. to get prayed to as a happy married couple. They prayed for unwed couples who got these kids out of wedlock. Well. Hello. Also, that really quickly before we move on, that makes me think of the season finale of American Crime Story Versace when they mm. had the Catholic priest presiding over Versace's funeral. And Versace's boyfriend, who was played by Ricky Martin, sat in the same on the same pew. They originally wanted him three pews back because he didn't get along. Aside from him being gay, he did not get along with Donatella. But he ended up sitting in the same row with the family. And the priest goes by and blesses everyone by kissing their hands. So it's Donatella, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The boyfriend's at the end. He extends his hand. The priest lets go and walks away, hits the corner. This is publicly in front of Princess Diana, Naomi <laughs> Campbell, the world, like at the funeral, all because he was Versace's partner. Right. Partner. I wouldn't even say they, they, and he didn't inherit anything. Like, if you all watch the series, then you know. Like, once uh, Versace was murdered, um, the boyfriend got into it with uh donatella again because it was like wow we were not we were common law married right but i really don't get any i'm not entitled to anything donatella took all of G- gianni's stuff and gave it to an estate wow. didn't give it to the the boyfriend that's Damn. been there 
and said that he could stay at one of the houses because they had plenty of houses. He said, she said, I think she gave him like 60 days to kind of like get yourself together and then you're going to have to go. So he didn't get anything from that relationship Mm. after years and years and years and years. (laughs) So shout out to 1997, I guess. Let's move on. (laughs) So my topic is about confronting your quote unquote grown ass friend. Um, So recently there was a situation where I kind of was put in the middle of a, I guess, altercation um, because two of my friends one friend was concerned about the other friend, and it had to do with drunk driving. Um, or I should say drinking and driving, because he stopped drinking, made sure he was drinking water, da 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 because you could drink when you... I think the law here is like, what, 0.08? Um, so he was having drinks, and my friend... <laughs> I'm going to lift line. Um, <laughs> I don't pay attention. Yeah, so pretty much my friend wanted to go and like handle some shit, which was the plan the entire time. And my other friend did not feel like he was suitable to drive. I felt like he was because he had stopped drinking an hour before, made sure he was drinking water so he was hydrated and so he could function as a driver. Um, I don't know where his alcohol limit was. I'm not a cop. I don't care. Um, but There's I knew no that he was, on hand. Right. <laughs> so I'm sure he was okay to drive. But it caused like this huge conflict in their disagreement. And my friend kept saying, I'm a grown-ass man. Like I'm leaving. And... That turned into a whole different situation, um, but ended up kind of being a conflict. So my question to you guys is how do you or have there ever been a situation where you or someone had to confront you about something as an adult that really didn't affect them, affect you per se or them, but they felt the need to tell you and how did you receive that or how did they receive that on their end? Oh, yeah, I have a good example. Shout out to Kendall. Hey, Marie Sharp. <laughs> Kendall and I, um, out of all of my friends, Kendall is one. I always say, when I turned like 25, 26, I was like, you, now I'm like, you cannot be my friend without a sense of accountability. And so that has been a ruling, like a determining factor in my friendships. If you cannot handle being accounted for, then we can't be friends. And I expect that from my friends. And so Kendall and I have had plenty of conversations where it's been like, mm, I know you didn't mean no harm, but the way you said that, bitch, mm-hmm. you tried me. You know, that's right, why we right. have Marie Sharp, which is our safe word. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, it's never been anything to like make us fall out with one another or even argue to the point where, oh, I'm not talking to Kendall for two days type thing. Right. We get it out. It's said and done, and we literally pick up right where we left off with the laughs. But that is what I appreciate most from him because I pull, I hold, I, I pull no punches, and he doesn't either. Mm-hmm. And so for the most part, his issue with me has been delivery. Now when I say with my delivery, uh, and my Man issue, my issue, I'll be like, no. <laughs> and so yeah, that's that's been like an overarching theme, and it doesn't happen often. It's not like a weekly type thing, mm-hmm. but when it happens, I know that I can depend on that strength strengthened our friendship because I know that I can depend on Kendall to be like, you know what, Shar, you did too much, or I didn't appreciate, you know, or even just from like the outside looking in, it doesn't even have to do with Kendall and I in particular, if we're like in a group setting, right. I can, like, if I'm like, okay, Kendall, I, I asked her, you know, X, Y, and Z, and don't you think she tripping? And I know that I can 100% get an honest answer right. from him. Right. He's not just going to be like, yeah, that bitch tripping, because he's my friend. Right. He might be like, no, bitch, 
you tripping mm-hmm. because you shouldn't have asked her that type thing or in this setting or et cetera, et cetera. Right, right, right. So that is, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. I haven't really had to check anybody and I've never really had to be checked, but uh, I will call you out. But that's only because if you're in my circle, I expect the same. Right. So if you got have harmful rhetoric or something that I think is ignorant or not funny, I'll do, I do, I do it all the time across, across the board. Yeah. Across the board. But I I'm think, also in your situation, I don't I don't see myself being hell bent on taking someone's keys. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see my if, if I, I don't see myself doing that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if someone but then like again, sloppy, I wasn't there. I don't know the con. Was he sloppy? Was your friend sloppy? No, I mean, he is. He had been drinking, but it, like he wasn't like, like I care about my friends. I don't want you to get a DUI or die. Right? Yeah, I would take a friend's keys, but like they have to be like visibly inebriated. Yeah. Right, you're not about I, I to fight to me feel... to get him back. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's not... Mm-hmm. And so, like, but, I, but I'm but i also one of those friends that probably does a little bit of that in terms of... So I often comment on my friend's spending habits. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, What's your zodiac sign? I'm a Leo. Um, oh, oh, hold up now. Not <laughs> no, I like, I like Leo. Okay. I've dated a lot of Leo. Um, but I comment on their spending habits because when they spend all their money, they come into me asking for money. Oh. And so you're dealing with my pockets now, right? Oh, yeah. And so that's the only reason why I'm commenting. I mean, well, in fairness, you're your showing pocket. that you're fiscally irresponsible. So how do I know that I'm going to get this loan back? Hello? Mm-hmm. Okay. And but the thing and is, and I feel like if you're asking me for money, then you have to be prepared for what comes with asking me for money. Exactly, because I'm gonna ask you all the questions. Would you buy? What would you do with your check? Why a you lecture spend it on might that? come with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it, it just it just, it just happens. <laughs> but I'm gonna get right. I'm gonna give it to you. But I need to know, and I need you to know that what you're doing is not appropriate because you're messing up my money and mm-hmm. yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but so I've had to have conversations with my friends to kind of get the foundation right uh-huh. so that we know that you know i want you to check me because i'm gonna check you mm-hmm. and that should be we should be able to do that but you know if i'm asking you why you buying those shoes when you know you know you got rent to do in two weeks or whatever and you Drag know me. your check is gonna come late or whatever the case may be you know i'm gonna put it out there but i'm gonna allow you to do with it as you will Mm-hmm. Right, so like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going. But you also know that I'm clocking it before you even have the gall to fix your lips to ask me exactly for the three hundred dollars that you need to make exactly because you you're going to Ferragamo shoes exactly you're going to ask and I'm going to tell you. You remember two weeks ago when you was in the, in the shoe store and I told you that you probably shouldn't do <laughs> when that. We were in Nordstrom uh-huh. and I told you that you didn't need them Ferragamo. Exactly, but she was like, "No, girl, they cute and I'm gonna need them." And okay, okay. Now Call we're Tyrone. here and you calling me. Shout and out it's, to so it's f- like, but that's a little bit like that's the found. You, I think you have to have the right foundation in your in your friendships to know when to listen to the friend, when not to listen to the friend. Mm-hmm. With, like that, I think that's like a, a conversation right. um, part. I'm a, I might over communicate in my friendships, but like I'm it's very necessary. You know, like really we need is. to be on the same. You're better page. off over communicating than under communicating. Exactly, because you under communicate, then people the people's feelings actually get hurt, and you're not attending to you know to hurt their feelings. But if I hurt your feelings, I expect you to, to communicate. That right, let me know because I would do that with you. Let me know. But yeah. Speaking of your uh, of the fiscal habits and my call Tyrone pun, mm-hmm. really quickly i don't know if you all know what's going on at howard university shout oh, out to yes tyrone embezzlement just a little update i saw today uh you know howard students have been occupying the university's administration building for a full seven days Bish, and the students say money. they won't leave Amen. until demands are met and also the president wayne ai frederick resigned so it's full-on chaos there we all saw the viral clip of them singing bitch better have my mm-hmm. money so uh yeah have y'all stuff in order please now, he was at Bus Boys and Poets. 
I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bus Boys and Poets is a restaurant in D.C. I've never been to D.C. What? But I, 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 you know this. I do I know this. Go. And it always shocks me. I've never been to Chicago. Yeah. So I, I've never been to D.C., but we all saw Tyrone. We, we, we know. So, Jace, your topic with yourself. Um, This one in particular kind of reminded me of a situation. And actually, this wasn't a friend. This was my mother. Um, who says something to me about a Facebook status that I probably overreacted to, um, but she pretty much told me like how to like run my Facebook, and I blocked her immediately. And wow. I was just like, "You blocked your mama?" I sure did <laughs> block. Um, okay. I ended up unblocking her on my birthday. Um, but it just—I think it was—it was a mix of triggers from what she said to me and like her like kind of like talking down to me like. You know what? You are probably being disrespectful, or she said something. Where I was just mm. like, first of all, like, right, right. I'm an adult. One, I'm about to be thirty, two. and this is my motherfucking Facebook, Three. so I could post yeah. whatever I want to. Mm-hmm. And there was like, I think there was a moms are like that. My yeah. mom got on me for not having select a size paper towels this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like moms are just <laughs> just like that. Like she yeah. like rolled my ass for like fifteen minutes. Like you should really get yeah select to size. And like I probably I I can't <laughs> with the scent. Um oh no, who wants a scented paper towel? <laughs> no, oh my god, someone said something about scented toilet paper the other day. I'm not oh, no. sound like an You're not giving that that yeast right. like <laughs> I was like, ooh, <laughs> lavender. Mm. Um <laughs> that don't even that don't even sound like Jesus. that feels like a breakout. Yeah, just all the hives. Um, Especially after a fresh waxing, Ooh. You're using lavender toilet paper. Mm. I'm gonna get sick, but anyway, red and bumpy, <laughs> oh, right? No. Hives, mm-hmm. plush. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, I I think I overreacted to her, but my reaction was like, I'm a grown ass. It was man. a lot built, mm-hmm. to, and it yeah. was like kind of like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. How like, dare you ain't got you? nothing to do exactly. with this account. Exactly. Like, nothing. you could have kept scrolling, mom. Right. Actually, or block me. <laughs> That's fine. I feel like we just see you block me. That's fine. But I think the way I reacted was kind of the way my friend reacted this um, recently event that mm-hmm. I had. But I feel like you also have to look at it with with your friend. I feel like just a little objectively, like, okay, my friend really cares about me, but I could also see how that would get on my damn nerves. Yeah, just that right. I'm not drunk. Right. And I'm ready to I'm go. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And like, it, it, I've stayed out of it. Could your friend be, a, could, could the friend that was trying to stop them from driving be in love with the other friend? Mm. No. Is this some six brown no, chicks? There, stuff? No, there was SBC no, no, there was no SPC chat going on. It was definitely generally like, a, I'm concerned. I don't want you to die. It's 3 a.m. Yada, yada, yada. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it, it was I mean, you might as well go hard place. or go home because God forbid something do happen. Then you're going to be mad at yourself for the rest of your life. Right. If something did happen, you'd be like, look, I said all I needed to say. Did I, I could have probably done more. You know, you're still going to have those feelings, but you know that you had a vein coming from your forehead yelling at the person to not get in the car. Right. But yeah, that's my topic. Thank you guys for your input. Oh, yes. Appreciate it. Twitter no should be interesting on Friday. Mm-hmm. Tell your stories. All right. So, Travel, I just have, we're going to go into our interview segment now. And I just have a few questions for you that I, you know, I feel like the listeners and myself could get to know you just a little bit more. All right. Let's do it. So, I have to ask with being gender non conforming, because prior to me transitioning, I identified as as gender non-conforming, I'd say. I just didn't have the language for it at mm-hmm. the time. But certainly in undergrad, I was GNC like a motherfucker. And so <laughs> how does that show up? Because you're in a lot of leadership roles. How, do, how does that show up for you, like, in the workplace? Mm-hmm. 
That's a good question. Um, so I especially being black, I'm gonna add black in there. Hello. Uh huh. Because that complicates it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started at the Times about four years ago in a diversity fellowship program. Um, and when I started, um, I wasn't as uh, expressive as I am now in okay. my gender nonconformity. Um, and so that's developed over the years. Um, and so. I think like a year in or so, I started um, getting my nails done consistently and wearing heels consistently, mm-hmm. um, and I would get braids every now and again. Love your love your braids. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> um, and I will say I did see a a difference in how they treated me. I was already dealing with issues being young and black in of a co- listen, mainstream course. media newsroom, right? Um, but then once the gender nonconformity started to to play out in public, um, people just they didn't know how to place me. The, the the microaggressions increased and they began to be kind of gendered because they didn't they didn't understand why I was wearing heels or why mm-hmm. I was painting my nails or wearing lipstick or whatever the case may be. Um, but I think now, though, four years later, um, I don't think they really I don't think it's in my particular newsroom. It's not really a thing. Um, like I still live my life and do me and, and they understand that Travel is Travel. Um um, what's been interesting though is when I leave the office and when I, you know, go cover a red carpet or I go do an yeah, interview. I saw you at the Oscars in that jumpsuit. Wasn't it cute? Thank hey. you. It was. Um, or you know, when I go to the red carpets or when I go do interviews, you know, I I don't downplay my nonconformity in those spaces mm-hmm. either. And so it's just interesting to walk into a space and see, you know, an actor, an actress or whoever, um see they they kind of visually adjust to me walking in the room like talk about an inclusion writer hello <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, because one they don't expect a black person to walk through mm-hmm. the door with the name la times right mm-hmm. and two they don't expect a black person like me to walk yes. through the door and so i can see on their face kind of the 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 oh. shock <laughs> and the the oh the like and it comes from black and white black white in between, in between gay everything, straight yes. everything like people just People just aren't expecting that because we have this certain idea of what a journalist looks yeah, like, yeah. Um, and I don't look like that. Um, Especially so, if they're doing press all day. They're very much so. Right. And, the same and they usually Cookie see cutter. all white people, yep. or if it's a black movie, they see all black people, mm-hmm. and they won't hear a name like the LA Times come through the door. Mm-hmm. And so people are just always just so surprised by how comfortable I am. It's like, for example, when I was doing press for Moonlight, um, for example, they were, they were doing a lot of press with white, with white folks, with white mainstream outlets. When I walked through, everyone was visually surprised to see someone like me walk through um, with LA Times behind my name and then we're having the conversation and I can actually tap into the the subject matter right that's going on in the movie and so that that makes the interview I think different and deeper for them because they just don't they're not experiencing that after a day long you know of doing press and so it's just been interesting um but you know I have had the ability to kind of take on a number of leadership roles. We mentioned NABJ earlier. President. I was, I was very surprised that they, and they, they came to me um, wow. asking me if I was interested in doing it. Um, I think part of that That's was- That's because you're good at what you do, Travel. I appreciate you're that. You're good at what you do. That's I really very appreciate revolutionary that. too. But, but when you're but, good at what, you're do, what you do, people a lot of the times will look past whatever biases or mm-hmm, prejudices mm-hmm. that they may have, whether they be- whether they be uh, overt or co- or, or covert, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they will. Look, if you are exceptional in how you show up in the world, people will look past. In my experience, but one thing that I've noticed is that I think people thought that I would, you know, regress or 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 cower 
when I became a leader that I wouldn't continue to be myself Full unapologetically mm-hmm. in these, you know, quote unquote professional spaces mm-hmm. um, where, you know, the expectation is that I will be on the binary mm-hmm. um, in terms of my presentation and it's somewhere in the middle. Um, and so it's just been interesting particularly on like the national level with NABJ, interacting with people who I don't interact with, you know, every month or who aren't in our media market, um, just seeing how they're not only surprised to see me in the room, but surprised to hear that, you know, I'm leading the chapter of the second top media market. Um, because NABJ is still very... You got to keep the keep in mind it is the black journalist, but the church is still heavily involved. Very much. <laughs> right. Like that rhetoric, it's still black people coming together for a national conference. Mm-hmm. Right, they're very respectable. Yeah. They have these particular ideas about how you should comport yourself when you're, yes. you know, going to the career fair or when you're coming right. into I'm the, coming these in here with blonde hair. And so, like, they're like, oh, I know you're not from Toledo, but really though, I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm really, from the Los though. Angeles, exactly. You know? And like they 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 make their judgments based on mm-hmm. that. Um, but because I. I always say at NABJ, I have a job. I I, I don't, you, you know, and, <laughs> and that's a. <laughs> I am employed and the rent is. And paid. that's a privilege that hashtag I have. Hashtag right? I have a job. When y'all get to this part <laughs> of the podcast, you got a hashtag. Because I, I wish you all could have seen Travell also hit the hand gesture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a job. With his nails. I'm just saying, which that gives me a privilege to be able to walk into these spaces however I want to comport myself. I don't need you. I don't need you. I've been blessed enough to get where I am on my own. I'm with the damn LA Times. You know, and I'm 26 years old doing it, which doesn't happen, right? It just does And I know that it doesn't happen. And so I take on that particular burden of showing up in the ways that I want to show up so that hopefully some young queer person coming up now, Mm -hmm. they can look at me and be like, you know what? He did it. I can. I can do it too. I can show up at work mm-hmm. and I can be butch. I can be femme. I can be something in between. Yep. Um, and I can still be successful and have a job. And you know everything. what? Exactly. I, be yourself. I often, and I've shared this story really quickly on this platform before, but when I was an undergrad and I did my first ever internship, it was with the uh, Oklahoma City ABC affiliate. Mm. And I firmly believe that the news director that hired me at the time assumed that I was this is when I was gender nonconforming, but mm-hmm. assumed that I was a woman. Mm. Um, I mean, I am a woman, but at the time, right. I, like I had a blonde fade, I dressed in women's clothing, and just I guess like my mannerisms in presentation. And I don't, I do not believe that they discovered that I was nonconforming until like literally maybe two or three weeks mm-hmm. before the internship <laughs> ended. Wow. Uh, so it was, and I and I do believe that people had some people Whoa. had clocked. I like you can always tell. After your first day, when you come back for the second, you can tell who's been whispering in the break room. Mm-hmm. So you right, can tell right. by the interactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell, when I just went back to work, I'm in a different uh, position, still in charge of people, but I'm in a different position and in a different campus right now. And one of my new coworkers randomly was like, you know what? You were just so pretty. But I could tell by her delivery that there mm. were either some Google schmoogles going on, right, right. or because I am Googleable, or there were uh, some whispers of, yeah. about some things. Because it was just a, a compliment that you don't that don't Trolling. normally pay <laughs> right. to someone. And then when you, it was her delivery, like almost like you are, you are a really pretty, you know, black, mm-hmm. you know, tea girl what are you or whatever. To say? <laughs> I believe if you, so, I, it, it's it's interesting to me with that. So I, I do have to ask. <laughs> I do also have story. to ask about the South. Now I'm uh-huh. someone I was Ooh. raised Midwestern, but my mom is a Southern belle, so I spent a lot of summers down south. I also went to 
uh, to college in Oklahoma, like on damn near near the mm-hmm, border mm-hmm. where Texas meets. And I spent a lot of time in Texas, Louisiana, all that stuff. Um, your experience with being a South Carolinian native and then going off to Morehouse, <laughs> how was that for you? Now, I, I know that you said that you weren't as, you know, uh, I guess non-conforming in presentation right. back then, but even still. Well, so. Is so, Morehouse gay? Like, really I'm gay? sorry? Is Morehouse really gay? Morehouse is a space in which queer people can find themselves. Okay. Really? Um, I went down there for a college tour and it seemed so heavily policed, but I was 17. It was 2005 and it seemed very, but I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was like the presentation that they were trying to give us. Like all of the queer kids go hide. Oh, that's definitely what they do. That's definitely what they do. That's definitely (laughs) what they do. Um, But my, so my freshman year, um, I got to Morehouse and I don't know if y'all are familiar with this. This is 2009. Okay. a story. I'm sorry. <laughs> a story was published. A story was published in Vibe magazine titled "The Mean Girls of Morehouse." It beca- exactly, and it was a story that profiled about five or six uh, queer students on campus who were gender nonconforming. They wore makeup. They wore weaves. They had bags. They wore you know high heels, uh-huh. um, and they were known on campus as the plastics from Mean Girls, wow. right? Um, and they were they were known as that. That it was straight men on campus who had given that them that. That name that they had taken on as kind of a badge of honor. But Vibe Magazine does this article and it becomes a big deal because BT picks it up. Ev- literally, and, yeah. ever CNN was on campus. Because around 2009, <laughs> that's when Miyakas were a bit like that conversation yes. re- regarding auxiliaries. Yes. And things There's, like there that. was so much going and on. And our school at the time had just um, enacted a appropriate attire policy, also known as a dress code. What? And wow. one of the lines in the dress code. In 2009? Yes, one of the lines in the dress code said that students could not wear clothing associated with women. The problem that with was that intentional and very, very much so. There were, and don't get me wrong, there were other lines in the dress code that said, like you know, no you can't wear pants. no sagging pants, right. no wearing hats in the buildings, no grills. You can't leave <laughs> um, the residence halls with a do rag on. Different things like that. But the only thing that was enforced was the women's clothing line. Just like the Bible. And so that's... (laughs) And the law. um, And so that's what it became an issue. And so that created kind of a firestorm on campus for, you know, me and everyone else, you know, on the campus talking about how do we show up if if we say we're supposed to support and we're supposed to be like the campus of Martin Luther King and support civil rights equality. and human rights and equality, how do we show up <laughs> for these five students um, who, you know, in the article, some of them talk about, you know, attempting suicide because of the environment mm. on campus for them. They talk about some of the issues professors would present them with um, in oh, terms of being... Oh, professors at HBCUs are full of microaggressions. Oh, they're like problematic. none other. They're problematic. None other. And so that was, th- that was the foundation that I entered the institution mm-hmm. on um, and it just kind of shook me to my core because at the time I guess I was straight had a girlfriend in high school all this other stuff okay. um, but then you were flexible Sexual- you know, sexuality is fluid I was, yes I was living life you know exploring zipping and zooing and shout out to Wendy um, but yeah so that's that was the foundation of Morehouse for me and then throughout my time there so I it kind of radicalized you it kind very of, much it, so yeah, and yeah. I committed myself to making Morehouse a safe space for queer folks and so we kind of restarted the, uh, the Gay Straight Alliance on campus called Safe Space um, oh, wow. and actually got campus support for it this wow. time. Um, we were we held 
the first Pride Week on campus while I was there. Really? Had a drag uh, show on campus. Oh my you know, partnered with Spellman. And, listen, there's a there's a lot does going on. There's a lot going on, and it wasn't just me. There was a lot of other people. Jamal yes. um, was there. Kenneth Pass, Marcus Lee, a whole other kind of contingent of queer folks who were just like, we're we're gonna make this a home for us. And in too. this day and age of social media, you can't silence us. Very much so. And, like you but won't the kids listen. That are there now? I'm sure Vibe will listen again. The kids that are there now, baby, when I tell you they are J-setting on campus. There was a situation on campus where they wanted to throw a Pride Week. And we have this thing every week called Hump Wednesday, which is basically like this big block party that happens in the middle of campus. All the different student organizations. Every Wednesday. Wednesday, um, All the different student organizations sponsor one of those Wednesdays. For Hump Wednesday for Safe Space during their Pride Week, they wanted to have a J, a professional J-setting team come in to perform. Like the Prancing I think they actually wanted the, wanted the prancing uh, Jay elite. setting is like the single ladies dance routine. Uh, there's a lead oh, and then right. there's... With the drums? No, 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 no. Oh. It's literally dance. You, it's you like it's the like black girls in the stands. The majorette, majorettes yeah. and stuff yeah. at HBCU. The dance teams at HBCUs. Yeah. Yeah. That's the majorette that's style that's dance. That's, that's Jay setting, right. Okay. Um, and so they wanted a professional gay Jay setting team to come to, to campus and perform at Hump Wednesday. Uh-huh. Um, stuff happened and basically the administration said no. And so what did those students do? They came up with routines of their own. They came up with uh, <laughs> clothing of their own. Come and they got into the middle of the sequence. And they showed out. Like, it was, it's just so amazing to see what the kind of queer political organizing that has happened on that campus in the years since I was there. Um, it's, it's really remarkable. So, yes, it's a, it's a safe space. Um, we're becoming more of a safe space for queer That's people That's really than good. it was before. I know a lot of things. I can only imagine at an all-boys university, a lot is done in the shadows. Yeah. Well, listen. Um... Now, I know that Spellman recently made history by mm-hmm. saying that trans women mm-hmm. can now enroll. That almost brought tears to my eyes. I have one of my actually my closest cousin is Spellman alum. She lives in DC. Shout out to Jen. Um, and I would have loved to have gone to Spellman. Are you kidding me? I hate that they don't have a graduate program. Uh, but now, does Morehouse allow trans men? Hmm. Morehouse is currently in conversations about figuring out what they're trans policy will look like like they've sent out emails to like certain parties um alumni groups and stuff like that um asking people's opinions on whether or not allowing trans people will kind of compromise the mission um of morehouse um my hope is that they will um, explicitly allow trans students on their campus, in part because they already have trans students on their campus. They just don't know it. Mm. Um, same thing with Spelman. Spelman had trans students on their campus ever yes, before. Yes, I was surprised they, to learn. You know, and so it, it's with Greek life, very much so. There's the, like old head, like SG Rose and Deltas that are trans women that mm-hmm. slid through the crack. They got it. They did it enough mm-hmm. to slide. Shout out to Tracy Africa. I mean, she's not Greek, yeah. but you know, she's had that lucrative modeling career. LGBTQ people have always existed, right. right, throughout time, and we've always existed in black spaces, mm-hmm. whether or not you've known we've been there. And mm-hmm. so assimilation. My baby. my hope is that Morehouse will do the quote unquote right thing and allow people. People who identify as male or men to enter the institution, no matter whether they're cis or trans. Um, but I feel um, like there'd be so much presentation policing. You know what I'm saying? And like, they're, and they're already there and there are already binary trans people. Yeah. Very much so. And there already is. I, I will say, I, I must say that the appropriate title policy was uh, rescinded um, a couple years ago. And so okay. it no longer exists. Um, but there's still, you know, just general policing that happens between students, right? Because we, we do have a lot of people I mean, come to our school. I mean, it is prestigious and it's Very much certain. so. 
Um, but, I remember I went there on my during my college tour, mm-hmm. and I was so shocked. Like we toured all of the most of the HBCUs on the southeast side, so Tennessee State mm-hmm. and Fisk and FAMU. We mm-hmm. stopped by you know all the Clark Atlantas, which I still wish I would have went there. They have a great journalism program. They do. But uh, mm-hmm. I was shocked because when I, when I went to Spelman. I saw red bottoms. I had never seen nothing like that before. <laughs> red yes. college, Like these girls were undergraduate mm-hmm. wearing designer labels. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot. Morehouse and Spelman specifically and Howard have a history of attracting kind of the the Jack and Jill types, you uh, know, yes. who, who come from money. Yeah. And so HBCUs in particular, Morehouse and Spelman, because I went there, the 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 diversity of blackness that you see there of socioeconomic status of of background of you know we have people from africa we have people from the caribbean we have people all over the place different religions um and we have white people and latinos and asians as well um just very few very few because my, my we had one white guy while well. i was what there. i like that one? I, yes what one. i liked with uh this week's episode of blackish that aired like i shared at the top mm-hmm. of the uh, show Junior Andre Junior was accepted to both Howard, which is Anthony Anderson's character's uh, uh, alumna and alma mater, excuse mm-hmm. me, and then and and Stanford, where you got your masters. Yeah, from. Mm-hmm. and he ended up at first he was going to go to Stanford, and then he ended up going to Howard. But they highlighted that mm-hmm. they highlighted that, and I always tell people who went to PWIs that HBCUs are extremely diverse because of the points you just brought up, socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. you have gay, straight, bi, mm-hmm. you got, you know, you from the hood or Jack and Jill, like right. we, we had that too. And HBCUs are unique to the point that for whatever reason, I think it's cultural, what have you. Every day is a damn fashion show. That even is true. At my, even at my university, every oh God, day really? is, oh, is a true. fashion show. Oh, I had friends that listen, went to like Illinois State who would wear like. Uh, well, that's how you get your Tyrones. <laughs> <laughs> right. mm-hmm. I had friends that went like one of my one of my uh, girlfriends went to Illinois State, and I remember that she was so like, "What what the hell are you getting dressed for?" Because she would wear like SpongeBob pajama pants and a hoodie right. to class. Yeah, I was wearing like my typical uniform in undergrad was like some type of t shirt. Scoop neck, V-neck, a blazer, the skinniest of jeans, and the most obnoxious. Because when I was in school, the heels that were in style were the ones, the stripper-looking ones with the thick platform and also an accompanying, like, seven-inch heel. And I would pump across campus from Jones Hall to what have you, to to Moore Hall or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, and go to class because that was the status quo. Everybody, not necessarily designer la- labels like right. the Jack and Jill that we were talking about. Nobody was in red bottoms. But <laughs> you did the best with what you had because yeah. you had to fit the bill. Yeah, you had you to present be yourself there looking in a crazy. way. I wore flip-flops I think it's and cultural, a t-shirt. Though. It, it it has to be cultural and specific to the South. Very much so because it's it's one of those things where like you there's just like a certain idea of how you should present yourself when you leave your house. Um, and, and our professors wouldn't of, tolerate the pajama pants oh, in, yeah. in the lecture hall. Depen- depending on the professor, you would have so like. Business students, for example, they would be the main ones in like a yeah. three-piece suit every oh single God. day, five yeah. days a week, because their professors made it a requirement for class, and so they would dress it in the, the entire and look at day. It from the gaze, though, like you're mm-hmm. black entering mm-hmm. the business profession, like it's almost like we're yeah, grooming, we're grooming you, you how to show up in the world because right. you cannot exactly. leave this university with our name attached to your degree, right. and you don't know how to put piece yourself Ooh. together. And that's another thing to, you never know who's on campus. A lot of times at these HBCUs, they can be people who got job opportunities, internship opportunities, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they just kind of give you, they kind of train you to know that you really should 
try to comport yourself right. as appropriate as times. possible. So at many all respectability uh-huh. politics. Very much child. so. So many. I so mean, that's the foundation honey. of it. You know. So, um, do you ever, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever feel pressure to conform? Like, pick a side, Travel, pick a side. I used to um, when I first started, you know, um, expressing my nonconformity. I used to. Um, but now I don't. Um, mainly because, you know, as I said, I've, I've been able to kind of experience a number of successes by being this kind of mm-hmm. complex individual. And people, um, in part because I work at a place like the L.A. Times, they accept it. Like, they don't question it. Mm-hmm. Um, in part because, you know... I work at the LA Times and, you know, right. we're a mainstream major news publication. And they know not to try you because you'll raise hell. Well, right. you know. Right. <laughs> um, well, that, that is Hello. true. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, and so I, I I, no longer feel that. But when I first started expressing my gender nonconformity, I was very hesitant about the different spaces in which I, I would show up as, as nonconforming. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, certain interviews, I wouldn't do it. Or, you know, certain meetings, I wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, but now I, I, push, now I don't care. I had a push from my parents. Both of my parents. Is, and both of my parents are extremely supportive. My mm-hmm. mother in particular. I mean, my dad is very supportive as well. But more so, like, on a financial aspect. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, if we're Plane being, tickets. If we're being right. honest. And I know that. And, I've, and I feel like I've shared this before. I feel like. I don't want to speak for him. But just knowing my father, I feel like if I did not have, quote unquote, pretty or passing privilege, I don't think he'd be as supportive. Right. Mm. Um, I, I truly don't. Huh, but I remember my parents trying to tell me to tone it down or like and I'd be like because I was so reaffirmed, like I got this job looking like when I was, you know, not conforming. Mm-hmm. Right, I got right, this right. job or I got this opportunity like I was well respected. I conducted this interview. Why do I need to, to switch it up now? But had I been met with with a lot of negativity i don't i still think i would have held true to myself but it would have it definitely would have made me question a lot and and reroute a lot but i think i was able to skip through especially with being in conservative red state Mm -hmm. oklahoma Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and black Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was able to slip through so many cracks and i believe that it was in turn to what I just accredited you for at the top of this interview with being exceptional at what you do. And that's the thing, right? I So th- I had a situation at Morehouse when I first started to, you know, play with my clothing a little. Um, I had to dress in something formal for this uh, assembly we were doing in which we had to, um, <laughs> we, we, I was getting, uh, I was getting an award. I was getting an award for being like the top student in the sociology department or whatever. Word. Of course. And um, <laughs> we had to dress up. We had to dress up because, you know, they were call, they would call our names after we go on stage, all of this other stuff. Um, and I wore this like little like cow neck situation with like a, it was like a, neck. like, you know, like the, the big, it's a big like swoop, a swoop neck. The swoop okay. neck. Your yes. decolletage was fully exposed. You know, it was a little <laughs> something, <laughs> something. Yes. And I had these like, um, it was like these mustard colored pant on. Okay. It, it was real cute if I do okay, say so myself. <laughs> um, what color was the top? Um, it was black. The okay. top was black. Um, so you were full on beehive. You know, a little black something, and yellow, something. And, <laughs> and so I go on stage, get my award or whatever. Da, 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 it's all fine. Um, afterwards, one of my advisors, I'm talking to him. He's like, oh, yeah, this teacher, this other teacher who was sitting on stage, she had a problem with what you were wearing. 
And I was like, oh, why, why would she have a problem with what I was wearing? It's my day. I can wear whatever I want. Hello. Um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, she just thought, you know, you, were, you, you weren't professional enough. Mind you, there are other people who are getting up on the stage and they're getting their awards or whatever in sweatpants. Slip and, showing. You know, yeah, Slide. doing all this other no stuff. Doing, being right. a mess, which is, which, is, which is fine. Like, live your life. But, like, I am formal. Like, I do have a I'm, formal yes. outfit mm-hmm. on. And I look damn good. Um, sure do. And so <laughs> that was at the point in my college career where I was no longer dealing with foolishness from anybody. And so I was like, I, I have a problem with a, a professor thinking it's okay to speak to someone who she doesn't know is is my advisor and have a great relationship with um, and expressing that she has a problem with what I'm wearing. I don't like that person having the ability to to be in a classroom and, and deal mm-hmm. with these students. So what did I do? I wrote a letter to the president of the institution. Um, and um, I sure did. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. And I sent him a letter and I... I Outlined the situation. Now, was it an email or like a hand? Like it was I, an email. Okay. It was. I had a great relationship with our president. There's no um, letter. That's at the time. dramatic. Right. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. Right. I was like, oh shit. I wrote an email. <laughs> I wrote an email. Um, got a response within a couple hours. Um, and he cc's the woman who I am, you know, uh, speaking of. Um, and the and my advisor. I he's love like, CC. And he says he's like, you all need to take care of this immediately. So they arrange a meeting with me, my advisor, and this woman. I bet woman, she was seething at um, your advisor. Who happens to be white. Um, and she she was very mad. And so she starts this meeting and she's like, you know, I've worked at this institution for 30 years. I am very supportive of all students. And did, 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 keep did, saying did, did. it. Just keep saying it out loud. And I, and yes. And I said, so, so then why did you have a problem with what I got on? I said, additionally, this is my award. This is my day where I'm getting honored. Whatever I choose to wear is what I choose to wear. You should be concerned with what my work is in the classroom. Hello. And guess what? This 4.0 tells me that I can wear whatever I want to. And so that was just kind of the start I of me. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the start of me being like, you know what? When when you're when you're good, um, it allows you to kind of push back in certain ways. And so I just kind of kept that with me as and I, I kind of wish. I kind of wish, just taking a page from your book, I kind of wish I would have been a little bit more vocal. I was a champion for a lot of my peers because I was not sipping from my own Kool-Aid. I was the most visible and the most popular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So even to this day, people are still compared to me. That's how much of a footprint I left on my alma mater. It was a fishbowl of a school. But I wish I would have been more vocal in challenging the status quo and uh, challenging some of the microaggressions that came to my face it's hard, though. from professors. It is. And I mean, I was in rural Oklahoma alone, no so. family. They got the power. Any Like literally, Lang- shout out to Langston University. They could have done anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And John Q. Public would have believed them, and I would have had no one in Oklahoma on my side. I don't think I would have. There would have been no coalitions. The only no way, one to stand up. Like the only way I felt kind of emboldened to do what I did on that campus is because of that small group of like black queer students that were like, that. "We're not, we're not taking this anymore." We yeah. were all RAs. I was managing editor of the student newspaper. I also was in charge of like twelve Type other different organizations. Yeah, Clearly. I was. I did a lot. Um, but I, but I knew that I had a support system around me that were also kind of pushing the institution in their own particular ways. Mm-hmm. And it just it just seemed like something I couldn't ignore. Right. Um, and so that community is what kind of really supported me and kind of, I think, made my time at Morehouse what it was. Switching right. gears, mm-hmm. how does uh, bathrooms, it seems like it would be a complex issue. Oh, Jesus have mercy. <laughs> Where in public 
Where do you take a pit stop to do your business? Or are you one of those people who holds it all day? Oh, no, baby. I can't do that. <laughs> um, it depends on... I know, because I have read, you yeah, know, on Twitter, like... Very much so. People I, who just won't, won't You know, won't I can't go. go to the food court. Yeah. And, yeah. It, so, it, it depends on what I'm wearing. It depends on whether, you know, my beard and mustache is showing. It will okay. depend on which bathroom I go to. I mm. will say I do always, you know, when, if it's a bigger public place, like a... Um, the like the mall or like a, a target um, target or you know other places i will look to see if they have like a family restroom or a gender gotcha. neutral restroom malls um, typically do malls typically do movie theater some of them do now um but if it's like a small restaurant or whatever if i if my usually if, if my beard is showing i will go, go in the men's, uh, men's restroom men's my beard's restroom. not showing um you and i will, with me and and a lot of times people don't even know <laughs> or or. like depending on what i'm wearing they, uh-huh. yeah. they, they don't even and they yeah. don't even question they don't i'm they not paying attention to what you're doing and, anyway. and, you're, and when you're confident you can get away with it and thing is i'm usually wearing heels can you imagine me in the male bathroom, uh, you know, using the the potty? What did you call it? I have a thing? story for you. Like the I have a story for you when, when we're off air. It's just like, it's just, I, I I find a lot more security in the women's bathroom, in part just because of how I comport myself. Mm-hmm. The shoes, because I feel like the a lot shoes, of times the nails. people people look you da- look you from the bottom up. They do, and so and it's just a quick glance. It's just a quick like glance, a, and they're just like they're they're no men in particular. Right. Cleavage and exactly, and all that. Yeah. but the men men they look at the shoes and they're like, what's going on? And they I'll see they'll if I'm at the bathroom at the sink, sink washing my hands and a guy comes in, he'll be like, oh sorry, right? They'll the think they'll yeah. think it's in the wrong right. one, and then they'll come in, they're like. Okay, and they'll go do what they do, but it's like I they're look going for back to neutral. their table with the story yeah. to tell. Oh, they definitely are. They definitely Quick question: so, mm-hmm. um, You won a Truth Award this year. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations, thank you, Vince and Scott are my mentors. Um, is there an, I guess, a uh, extra level of gratitude when an award comes from Black queer organizations versus a mainstream organization? I think definitely because you know. <laughs> A lot of times the black queer organizations don't come around to honoring our own until they get the mainstream success and the mainstream or it's attention. Cyclical. Um right. Where it's the same um, people. It's the right. same people over and over. Um I was very kind of surprised to to be greeted and honored with that particular award. Um the the passing the torch award. Um but but I loved just being in that room and having so many people kind of they seemingly support and uplift me. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at the end of it, um, we took this picture of um, it was like six or seven of us who were in the room who all went to Morehouse, um, and to and I mean I was the only gender nonconforming one of the group, um, but to have these guys who you know could be interpreted and could be seen as straight to stand around me and support me yeah. in right. my gender nonconformity because I was I was ooh I was good that day I was good that day <laughs> mm, I saw the pictures um, it was oh, real nice. been there. I was out of town um, but it was it was it was amazing just to kind of be in that space and being in black queer spaces in general I don't get the opportunity to be in in many of them yeah. um, in this particular industry and so that was amazing nice how's your dating life. <laughs> we got breakfast on Easter. Um, but this is this is a very new situation. I met the person on Tinder a week and a half. You had ago. success on Tinder. This is the first time. I would time. ask you to teach me, but I'm. This fed, is the I'm first done. time though, okay. and like I met him on Tinder a week and a half ago. We started texting. Black? He's black. Wow. Um, and we we went out on a date Wednesday. <laughs> we went out on a date Thursday. He spent the night. We went on a date Friday. He Damn. spent the night again, and then 
we he came to my house on Sunday and cooked me breakfast on Easter. Um, and it's this is the first time that I have uh, had success on any of the dating apps and had any success it's been really. Less than a week. Uh, that's it, it's been a lot. It's but been that's a lot. Still a All those dates. No, in a row. I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's huge success. That's it's like it's a lot. It's a, listen, it's going a, very fast, and I, I'm not as someone who I haven't been involved with another person in like six, seven years. It's been mm-hmm. a long time, um, and so dating for me has always just been tough because guys. Um, generally don't know what to do with the gender nonconformity thing. And so they try um, to do something for you. Well, right. It, like, can you do this? And- right. Or I have, I've had guys who do hit me up on a variety of the different apps and like, you know, they just want to fuck me in a dress. And it's like, I'm not necessarily opposed Whoa. to that. However, could you <laughs> learn my name first or something? Like, could right. we, could we work up to that point? And so it's now either- you're, Now you're asking me to volunteer for your fulfillment and happiness. Right. Exactly. And what am I getting Some out of this? Fetish. So it's either they don't know how to kind of place me or deal with me, or they want to fetishize me. Right. Um, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not interested in either of them, uh, obviously. But this guy, yeah. he uh, um, seems interested. And so. Now, do you date men and women? I I identify as queer. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm not opposed to dating women. Um, I haven't. Um, but since high school. But not fully closed off. Oh, definitely yeah. not closed off. Okay. I like yeah, you. I'm happy. I'm happy for you. Thank you. I just recently stopped being Miss Evelyn, and uh, you know, we're, I just found out she's a Capricorn too. So I'm gonna clamp my tongue with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another black woman with blonde mm-hmm. hair who's a Capricorn who has beef with everybody. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've been I've been enjoying myself this month too. I've, I've let go of the fear. Um, We've got to. And so, really quickly, before we hop into our game, mm-hmm. I don't even know if we'll have time to touch on this, but I had to shout you out for two of my favorite two of. I mean, you've you've contributed a lot to the culture and the conversation, but I loved the 2017 article you did highlighting black women comedians, and oh, it had Amanda yes. Seals and Sherry Shepard mm-hmm. and Kim Whitley. Yes. Um, how were you received with that? Um, it actually got a lot of 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 play and a lot of interest, and there were actually a lot more women who wanted to be a part of it, but like their scheduling just didn't yeah. work out. Um, because they were you working, probably have great relationships thankfully. with people in Hollywood. I I am blessed to have really great relationships with a lot of people and to That's be very so friendly you with did tra- a lot of uh, people. Taraji P Henson too. I just I did Taraji that. um for for Acrimony um and so it just when I reached out to some of these women and I was like, listen. I want to talk to you about being a black funny woman in Hollywood and what what that experience is like for you. They all jumped at the opportunity. Of course. Uh, and, and, and LA Times. And yeah. they also, <laughs> you know, there were some some people or maybe some people's teams who were hesitant about doing it and being a part of it. Um Why? but like I think what it is is like sometimes you She's just don't political. want to right, you don't want to be political. You sometimes you don't want to be the person that says the industry is typecasting me and they only mm, want me to play the sassy mm-hmm. black woman, right? Because in part, you know, Sometimes you're okay playing the sassy black woman because you need that chat. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so I was able. What was what I was able to do though is start small with some of the interviews and start with like Amanda Seals who was down from the beginning, Yvette Nicole Brown who was down from the Love beginning, her. Sherry Shepard who was down from the beginning, and I was able to start with them and they were able to say snowball. Yes. It be mm-hmm. and it became and like I said, a lot of people wanted to do it, um, but the the time period that we wanted to roll it out we wanted to roll it around uh roll it out around the premiere of girls trip um okay. because that was the the anchor so like we had regina king in it and tiffany haddish um from the movie and we had loretta divine we we had people across kind of experience levels and ages and lonnie love um and it was it was a really great experience just to kind of pulled them together um and have that that 
these different stories of all these funny black women about their different experiences in the industry. And it really, I was going to touch on um, No Fats, No Femme doc by Jamal Lewis, but we talked about Morehouse, because he also went to yes, Morehouse. Jam- do, do they go by... I, I believe uh, Jamal now identifies as trans and uses uh, female pronouns. Okay, well, she. she yes. I'm, I'm sorry, Jamal, if you're listening. She uh, is also Morehouse alum. Yes. And... Uh, was, is developing a documentary named No Fats, No Fats, No Fems no about the issues in, in our community that happen on all these apps. apps. No Blacks, mm-hmm. No Asians, all of that. Oh, it's gotten even more uh, more creative. The last person I was having a conversation with about this, I guess, especially in the gay dating app world, mm-hmm. like the whites will be like, you know, like no beans, no rice. <gasps> wow. Yeah. No, like they've, they've become like stand-up comedians with it. Yeah, bigotry is creative, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Jack had a campaign called No Bullies, No Bigots, trying to fight those stupid mm-hmm. phrases but yeah i mean i've seen I, well, mainly on dating apps when i come across people who are looking for trans women they're looking particularly for everything but black but there is a mm-hmm. high demand for asian trans I would women say probably asian asian trans women and latina then i'd say white and then black, black women are just on the bottom of the totem pole across the board right. when it comes to dating mm-hmm. whether you be trans in trans or Hello. cis mm-hmm. uh the the statistics are there it's a lot of people just not checking for black women even though we are the anchor and the gatekeeper to uh, damn near everything Hello. So I want to play a quick game with you. We like to call it No Ums. No it's ums. one of my favorite games. And so it's All just right. rapid fire, this or that questions, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but no ums. Okay. Love or money? <laughs> money. Top bunk or bottom bunk? Top. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee or tea? Tea. Sweet Sunrise, tea. Sweet tea. Of course, mm-hmm. you're a South Carolinian. <laughs> Diabetes. Uh, yeah. Moon or the stars? Moon. Romance or directness? Romance. I don't get how those are opposites. Hot dog or hamburger? Hot dog. Garlic or ginger? Neither. Really? What? No, you have to pick one. Okay, garlic? That would have been hard for me because I love ginger and garlic. Me too. Uh, (laughs) Psychic abilities or telekinetic abilities? Telekinetic. Alarm clock or wake naturally? Wake naturally. Mm Mm-hmm. White gravy or brown gravy? Brown, baby. <laughs> you black. Convertible or clothes top? Convertible if I could afford it. And, oh, that's a dumb one. Some of these are dumb. This is going to be the last one. <laughs> Picnics for dates or restaurant lunches for dates? Mm. Rapid Restaurants. Fire. Restaurants? I feel like I'm bougie. Okay. Like slightly bougie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, restaurants. Mm-mm. You don't want all the fireflies around. I you. can't. Mm-mm. Are you like a sushi, or you're more like a tapas and wine. I can do either. I'm I'm a fat ass. I will eat anything. Amen. Okay. Who's been your favorite interview? My favorite interview has been Andre Leon Talley. I uh, had the opportunity to interview him. Um, yes, I remember him the being film. a little transphobic and unapologetic about it, but it was towards Caitlyn Jenner. Well. Does it make it acceptable? <laughs> no. Just wanted no. to know. I just, it was just, uh. He was on the Watch What Happens Live. I remember that. And oh, he was yes. awful yeah. to yes. Caitlyn. That is true. Hopefully he's, he's... And I think, was Laverne sitting up there? Come around, hopefully. Mm, well, I don't remember, but I remember that happening. It was someone, if it wasn't we a trans woman, the she was like trans adjacent sitting up there keying oh, with Andre. Okay, Ooh. so he's been your favorite. He's been my favorite just because he's, he's, he's always been kind of like a role 
model for me in, in terms of a black queer oh, yeah. person in the yeah. industry. Um, and, you know, America's Next Top Model, when he was on America's Next Top Model, that kind of, like, changed my life in part mm-hmm. ways. Um, and so having the opportunity to just kind of share space with him was uh, kind of do you emotional feel, for me. Do you feel comfortable sharing your least favorite interview? My least favorite interview? Um, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite interview, but... Um, Monique, um, really? I let me let me let me let me explain. Um, Monique's my favorite actress of all time. To be clear, okay. Even after this interview, um, we conducted the interview for Almost Christmas, um, the movie she came uh-huh. out with um, a couple years ago with now. our brother Will Packer. Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a it was a great interview. Um, but at the end of the interview, we we you know she asked me questions or whatever the case may be, and then she revealed to me that she usually. Um, records the interview as well on her periscope, on, on periscope, on her right. end, um, because she feels like sometimes press has like you know misconstrued her words, but like mm-hmm. she didn't feel like she would have that problem with me, um, and so that got me thinking back to the beginning of our interview. She was fiddling with her laptop and her iPad, and like she was frustrated with it because she couldn't get it to work or do whatever, oh. and so I don't know if she was intending to tell me that she was going to in, uh, rec- also record me, um, but it seemed like she wasn't going to, um, and so that just was, in in my line of work, that's questionable to record someone mm-hmm. without their permission. Uh, yeah. Um, like, you know I'm recording because the recorder's sitting right here right. in front of us, you and see that you red light. Recording. Um, and, and it seemed like she was intending to do right, that. She okay, didn't. Yes. Yeah. She didn't, but that just kind of rubbed me the the wrong way. I didn't that, like that. It's funny that you mentioned her because I was listening to a podcast that's head, headed off by uh, someone who is gay and non-conforming, mm-hmm. and he mentioned that back in the Dizay of the Monique show, oh. he only dropped a little tidbit that, you know, he had inquired like, hey, you know, I'd love to be a correspondent or do some work mm-hmm. on here. And Sydney, her husband, allegedly was like, we, oh, don't, I think I know who you're talking about. we don't we don't deal with the homosexuals. It's, it's not a good look for it. And I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm, yet mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm, is alleged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did interview him as well for that story because, you know, he's also her manager. Uh, and my experience was that he was very much interested in getting the questions in advance for both him and for his wife. Mm-hmm. I don't. Did do you that. get like a hotep feel for him, uh, like that dark corner <laughs> of Twitter? I, <laughs> you know, I did not. I did not. Um, and like I said, and our interview turned out to be very, very good. Um, but I can understand, you know, some of the comments that have been out, you know, yeah. in the in the the blogosphere right. about him being difficult um, because we. We had some back and forths in terms of scheduling the interview um, with him and with his wife that he 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 was very vocal about some things that mm. um, I don't do. Like, I, I don't give out questions mm-hmm. in advance. That's just something I don't do. Final, I just have to squeeze this mm-hmm. in. How did they <laughs> react to you? Like, you know how you said, like, sometimes when mm-hmm. you oftentimes when you enter the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, black, white, in between, you get mixed reactions yeah. sometimes. So how how did they well, the, non-verbally The interview with that? Sydney was over the phone, so he, he doesn't know how I kind of show up in the world. With Monique, it was in person, and she was she was fabulous. She was wonderful. She was pleasant. a great interview, very pleasant, funny. She was she was good. I No complaints about her, except the fact that I think she was she going was secretly. to secretly You know, also, me. congratulations to Monique, because she is, uh, for the first time in her life, under, under two. 200 pounds. pounds. Yes. Since oh. 17. And Since her, 17. her personal trainer person who does all the dancing with her uh-huh. also went to Morehouse. Dwight Hope. 
Damon. Well, I'll be damned. I think that wraps up this week's yeah. show. We no, just no, have no, the. No. I know. I, I know. Oh. We just have uh, the kudos to do, and then we're out of here. All right, time for the kiss and tell kudos. So this week, I wanted to um, give the kiss and tell kudos to T.S. Madison and Tiffany Motherfucking New York Pollard. Um, for the comeback of the Queen's Court. The Queen's Supreme Court. Excuse me, the Queen's Supreme Court, because mm-hmm. he, she who shall not be named is off of it. So it's a brand new show. Um, I watched some of it. I haven't watched the whole entire thing yet, but I'm happy that she kind of was able to come back and do her own show and have um, just a good comeback. There was a lot of tension for weeks on end and kind of social media come back. And every time I logged on to Instagram, it was like a live feed. Maddie was going to be fine regardless. Yeah, but I'm happy She's that she sweetheart. was able to like successfully do it because people are not always... Um, and Tiffany's not permanent. Yeah, yeah, now. that was yeah. the first episode. Um, second. Second episode, excuse me. First one was Shekinah and Lil Mo. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy that she's, you know, sticking to her gun and still doing the show. And so I wanted to give her a kiss and no kudos this week. We love you, Maddie. Love you. Love your Glee baby. That's what she called Shout me. Shout <laughs> My Glee baby. baby. Oh, because yes. you're on Glee. Oh, together we with her. Glee Got together. it. We were Glee together. 13 hour work day. Jesus. So Beautiful we, episode, we by the way. We became friends. Thank love you. that episode. Thank you. It, we mm-hmm. cry. it was a lot of crying. I cry every time. It that was, performance at the end. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of crying and a lot of Hulu. takes. And the tears still still came. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to Maddie. We love mm-hmm. you. Well, that about wraps up this week's episode. Travel, thank you for joining us. Thank you for I having me. I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. And I believe that our listeners are going to walk away with some nice juicy tidbits and some uh, some teachable moments that you laid out. I hope so. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing you later this month at the NABJ meeting. Yes. I, I haven't been there in a few months, but I will be at the it's one right. for you've April. Been, you've been working. It's okay. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Until- How much is a uh, membership? Some, yes. NABJ membership. Yeah, it's $50 it's- for full-time journalists, working journalists. If you uh-huh. are, you can do associate membership for $30. Those are for- $30 a month? $30, no, $30 a, a, a year. A year. Oh. Um, that's on the local <laughs> level. That's on the local level for oh, the local yeah. chapter. Oh. Then there are national dues that are not that low. Uh, oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> national. Had a testimony. <sighs> it's, a, it's a lot on the national level. It's a scam okay. when you're not a student. We're working on it, y'all. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make it more kind of accessible in when generally. I, when I came, when I came, when, when I arrived in your inbox, mm-hmm. I still had student fees in my head from undergrad. I, I forgot it shifted. Oh yeah, mm, once you graduated, uh, it was possible. Yes. But you know what? I'm glad that I got a chance to experience what I did because mm-hmm. I would never pay on a national level after the conference. I don't feel that I would benefit from national. Dues. I love the local. That's real. I love the local meetings, though. But anyway, yes, we're going on like three hours in here. So, (laughs) where can we find you, Travel? I'm on the Twitters at Travel Anderson. That's C R E V E L L Anderson. And on Instagram at Rajon, R A Y Z H O N. What is Rajon? It's the phonetic spelling of my middle name. Oh. Oh. That's cute. Thank you. I was about to say Rajin. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, you all know that you can find Jace at Jace Barron and myself at Char Says So everywhere. Until next week, I love us for real, sugars. Bye, y'all. Toodles. How long was that? Two hours and four minutes. It was an hour and 53 minutes. Same difference.